0: Our, our, our current series, we've been talking about uh, how to live the, the good life now, and what I wanted to spend time with in our look at the Proverbs is that Solomon sits down with his son and explains to him about wealth and the empty promises that, that wealth seems to offer. And I, I think this is such an important lesson, and I, I can see the value of it not only to The the young son that I visualize Solomon sitting down with, I visualize him as a teenager or perhaps college age kind of person somewhere in there. And and it's certainly useful for that age, but it's useful for all of us because this world repeatedly tempts us with wealth's empty promises that if we just had a, a little bit more, that would give us the happiness and would give us the better life now. And Solomon spends some time talking to his son and just basically as we're going to look in these, these Proverbs points out that, that wealth doesn't do it. Wealth promises these things but simply does not make life better. One of the first things I think that Solomon starts off with in talking to his son is he just wants his son to accept and realize the limitations that wealth has to offer. Chapter 11 of the Proverbs in verse 4. Wealth is worthless in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivers from death. And I think that's a a very important proverb to try to keep in mind on a very regular basis. Because you and I sometimes forget that in the end, wealth doesn't have any value standing before God on the day of judgment, the, the, he's just not going to ask you how much you acquired. You know, and if you made X amount of money, then you get to get in. That's it's just not a concern of, of God's. And apply it to what Solomon is saying here in the day of wrath. What I think he's telling his son is when, when things get hard in life and, and you have your troubles, wealth isn't going to fix it. Wealth is not going to help out. Wealth does not solve relationship crisis. And life. Do, uh, me, wealth does not, not solve life's various difficulties. Wealth is not going to fix your relationship with your employer or with your spouse or with your children. It's just not going to do anything. Wealth seems like this end-all answer that the world tells us would just make life so much better... But in fact it actually interferes. Notice he says it is righteousness that delivers from death. Not the wealth. Not the possessions. Not having uh, an awful lot of money. That's not going to be what's going to help out in life. Those things are of of no value. And even more so, wealth does not provide any security. Since we're here in Palm Beach, I like using Mr. Trump. Because he's just down the street here. Uh, Has wealth... Kept his marriages together? Does he have good relationships with his children? Has wealth kept him out of bankruptcy? Has wealth kept him from the troubles of life? No. (laughs) That's all Solomon just told his son. We like to think that it's going to help. That it will just make everything better. But in reality, there's no security that comes from having wealth. And so it's important for us to put riches... In their proper perspective, they are not going to be useful in the really important things of life. I think it's been well said. Dan likes to say this a couple of times. If, If money can fix it, then it's not a problem. That's true. Because real problems can't be fixed with wealth. Real serious problems, money doesn't fix. Yeah, your TV broke. Well, that's a real big problem, isn't it? Uh, yeah, you're really crying in the soup over that, especially if it's football season. But that's not a real problem. But when you start talking about emotional problems, you talk about relational problems, you talk about spiritual problems, you talk about physical problems, money doesn't fix it. And that's all Solomon wants his son to understand. I don't know. It would be great to take a poll. Why is it that we think That money fixes everything? I don't know. Is it just TV that keeps saying it and I just buy into it after all? Why do we think that? Because I've yet to find something that money actually fixes. It just doesn't fix anything except for physical material things. You can fix your car, you can fix your stuff, but you can't fix anything else besides that. Notice what Solomon said to his son. A good name is more desirable than great riches. To be esteemed is better than silver and gold. And what he again is trying to do is just make him understand that it doesn't matter what issue or problem you think you're dealing with in life and what circumstance you come across in life, the accumulation of wealth is not going to fix it. Having a higher paying job is not going to fix it. (laughs) Having more stuff is not going to fix it. Adding a car is not going to fix it. These all seem like the right answers to us many times. But in fact, what we find out is these things are disappointing. And that is the second point that Solomon sets down with his son. You have to recognize that wealth is limited. Uh, you, you, You cannot do everything with wealth that you think it's going to be able to do. But it's even worse than that. That wealth will disappoint you over and over again. How about this? Whoever trusts in his riches will fall, but the righteous will thrive like a green leaf. And I think this is an important statement because he essentially said riches are uncertain. And what riches do is they lead us away from God. While righteousness is about one of the only certainties that we have in life. And that will draw us to God. And you and I have the tendency to place a tremendous emphasis on riches. I don't know how many times, not anybody here, so don't start looking at each other, but how many times I've heard people say, you know, if I had more money, then I'd be able to serve God better. That's one of my favorite lines. That I, you know, well, if I just had more things, just think of all the good I could do and how much that would help out the church. And we could just do all of these great things. And we're fooling ourselves to think that. We're fooling ourselves to think that. That's what what Solomon says. If you trust in riches, if you think that's what's going to help your life, if you believe that living the good life now requires more money, you will fall. Your life will be a disaster. You will not find it in wealth. Here's one of the reasons why. This is one of my favorite Proverbs Of all time. It is the the best picture. To describe the disappointment of wealth. Cast but a glance at riches. And they are gone. For they will surely sprout wings. And fly off to the sky. Like an eagle. (laughs) That just could not have been said any better. How many times. Have we thought. You know this month is doing pretty good. We actually got to be able to put a little bit of money away. And what happens every single time. Something goes wrong. It drives me crazy. Just when I start thinking I have a little bit more of the car brakes. Somebody gets sick. we got to go to the doctor again. And it's just, you about pull your hair out. Look at me. I, just, I cannot believe how many times we think that we're going to get ahead, that we're going to accumulate these riches, and what happens every time. As soon as we get this close, it moves a little bit further away. And we think, oh, but it's just right there. And then we get a little closer and it moves just a little bit further away. And you and I never get there. And that's what Solomon says to his son. He's saying, son, wealth is disappointing. Just begin to look at riches and what happens? They're gone. It's like a vapor. They just jump away from us. And so we have to keep that in mind. And I think you and I prove this proverb and know this proverb on, on just a regular basis. Think about it in your own life. How many times you have thought you might be getting ahead when something happens and it drops you behind? And that's what Solomon wants us to realize is that the pursuit of riches is disappointing. It is absolutely disappointing. It's frustrating because you think you're getting somewhere and you never are. You're not better off You don't have the wealth that you think you ought to have. And you you work harder and harder and do this and do that. And we try to save more or try to do this avenue or spend more time in it. And where do we end up but in the exact same place that we are in the first place? And it, it cracks me up in many ways that not a whole lot better off than when we were dirt poor in Arkansas relying upon five different churches to send us support. And am I living any differently? No. <laughs> anything different? No. It doesn't get anywhere. And so you can increase your pay scale all you want. It's not going to change anything. And, and Solomon really wants us to understand the disappointment of those things. Without doubt, every time something comes up. And riches cause problems, cause difficulties. In fact, Solomon goes on to describe the folly uh, of dishonest wealth, that that wealth gained by improper means is just as useless. And sometimes that's what the world and perhaps our our companions tell us is that, well, you know, working every day, that's not going to get you there. So you need to try to do it in some other dishonest way. Uh, That's the way to be able to accumulate wealth. I, I love these two proverbs as well. Wealth gained hastily will dwindle, but whoever gathers little by little Will increase it? I never understood. I always would tell dad, I'd tell my father, I'd say, you know, why don't you just, just give me the money? All, right, all, right. all my friends in high school, their their dads on Sunday afternoon would come around, they all loan to them, give them the money, you know, go out to lunch. I'd say, Dad, can I have money? To go out? No. Can I have a car? No. Can I have anything? No. <laughs> Absolutely not. And he'd, tell, he'd try to tell me, which I didn't care about then, but I get it now, but he'd tell me, if I give it to you, you won't care about it. What are you saying right there? You get it all at once, what do you do? You lose it. Why? You don't appreciate it. That's what that sounds like. You get a car, you won't appreciate it. <laughs> you appreciate it when you have to wait that long to get a car. You're 18 years old. You're the only guy in all of San Diego you feel like without a car. Yeah. Gathers it little by little and will increase it. And so is telling his son... Essentially, don't worry about the get-rich-quick kind of stuff. I like chapter 28, verse 22. The person with an evil eye tries to get rich quick, but it only leads to poverty. That's a good proverb. We need to hear that proverb. Oh, our society continues to trick us. Oh, well, if you would just do this, if you just join this business, join this company, subscribe these people, you would just have wealth in no time. And what would happen is you'd be able to work only three days a week and you would make $50,000 a month and you would just be rolling in dough. Wouldn't everybody be doing that if that were true? (laughs) It's one of my favorite, all those signs that you drive by, you can make. You know, $100,000 working at home a little at 10 hours a week. But wouldn't everybody be doing that? <laughs> something wrong. And we have the tendency to want to buy into that. Of, well, this, if I would just spend this time delving into that, if I just did all this work and this little side thing, that would get me all the, the wealth that we need and we'd be set to go. Let me remind you of something that I had my friend tell me. My friend, who was working insane hours, working sixty hours, seventy hours, eighty hours a week, even on some occasions, working, working, working. And he told me, I sat down, and I said, I said, I said, Heath, this is this is this is terrible. You cannot keep doing this. You just cannot keep doing this kind of thing. He said, But so Brent This is like eight years ago. He said, You know, when I'm thirty which is now where we're at. And when I'm 30, I will have all of this money and then I won't have to work as much. I'll only have to work a few hours a week and I'll be able to spend time with my family and then we'll be able to have kids and it will, just, it will be great because I'll have all this time. So that's why I'm doing this right now. And I've told you, they're divorced. There is no family. He's living his life in complete wickedness and worldliness now. And he's fallen away from the Lord. Because that's what the pursuit of riches does, is it pulls your eyes off of God. And you think, oh, well, if I just make that sacrifice for just a little while, Jen, think about how great it's going to be down the road. And what happens is we lose everything. And he's telling them here, a person who has the evil eye tries to get rich quick, and it only leads to poverty. You might have, you might get more money by doing that. Is it worth losing spouse? Destroying relationships with your kids? Is it worth destroying your relationship with God? You're spiritually poor, but you've got a few more dollars in the bank. And so we have to recognize the the foolishness of it. I put it this way, get rich quick, don't believe it. (laughs) That's what Solomon just told his son Get rich quick, don't believe it, because there's this continued lure that just dangles there in front of our eyes. And sometimes it's in our in our work that, well, if I just did this, then I would have it. If I could just get to the next level, then I would be there. And so I'll make some sacrifices now, and then I can be the VP of whatever, and then I can be right there, you know, and it'll all be rolling. It never works out. It never works out. How about this proverb? (laughs) Solomon said it this way, but it's a Spanish proverb. It's essentially rewording the same thing. He who would be rich in a year gets hanged in half a year. That's about what Solomon just told his son. You're destroying yourself. You're ruining yourself to think that you're going to be able to accomplish that. And that's what Solomon says here as well. Better is a little with righteousness than vast revenues without justice. Now, Read that again for me real quick. Do you really believe those words? Better is a little with righteousness. Your life will be better with little and righteousness than vast revenues and doing things that you shouldn't be doing. Making sacrifices you should not be sacrificing. That's what he just told him. Your life will be better. Is that not totally counterintuitive to our society today? I really want to drill that home. Society says, work more, do more, give up more, make those sacrifices. You're not a real working man if you don't sacrifice everything in the world and make your job number one. That's corporate America. Solomon said, your life will be better if you just take the little. Just accept the little. (laughs) How about the destructiveness of the love of wealth? How about uh, some great, great pictures here? Death and destruction are never satisfied. And neither are the eyes of man. That's that's, that's a beauty right there. Is there ever a limit to death? See what Solomon's doing here? Is there ever a point where death says, you know what? We're we're, we're done taking people's lives, we're full, we're satisfied, we're content, the grave, will not take any more, we'll just close up shop, you know, we're done. No, it's never satisfied, it continues. So are the eyes of mankind. He's giving his son a warning. You and I need to be very aware, beware of our eyes because we're always looking and seeing things are always better on the other side of the things we always think of ourselves that we are in this situation that you know we're just not doing very well but if we just had X, Y or Z things would be so much better and if I lived in X, Y or Z or owned X, Y or Z or was doing X, Y and Z then my life would be so much better and he just said you're fooling yourself how about this one if the other one was my favorite, this is my second favorite. The leech has two daughters. Give and give, they cry. There are three things that are never satisfied. Four that never say enough. The grave, the barren womb, land which is never satisfied with water, and fire which never says enough. This is, this is a great problem. He points out there are things that never stop. Things that are never content. The grave is never content. The barren womb is not content. Land, they never be content. It needs water all the time. Fire's never content. We're seeing that all on the West Coast. The fire's like crazy. You can't stop that. And so are we who say give and give. <laughs> I love how Solomon called the daughters the leech. <laughs> the leeches who cry, give and give. The hand is out. And they are never content with what they have. They always want more. Just as fire consumes more, just as the land always needs more water. Tell me the day when we won't have to water our grass, right? If it, if it isn't raining, we got to get the sprinklers on. And that's, what and that's the way humans act. We are this way with possessions. We want more and more and more. And you and I are never content. And this is a huge problem. I I state it this way. Feeding one's desires often just stimulates them more. Have you ever noticed that? I've noticed that. I get one good golf club driver. Then they put out a new one. Well, no, I won't slice it as bad. I need to get me one of them. Oh, they're on sale, too. I want one of those. Well, what will happen if I get that? Well, you know, those golf club companies aren't stupid. They're going to put another one out in a couple of months. And then I'll look at that one. Oh, well, that's the better one. i got to get one of those. We do that with everything. And sometimes the worst thing you can I you and I can do is go make the purchase because we think, oh well now I'll be satisfied, but what that actually does is feed the craving. And we go, Oh well now my computer's slower and I gotta get another one. Now my car's got a couple of dings in it, I gotta go get another one. We come up with all these things. And that's what Solomon's trying to teach his son. Sometimes fulfilling those desires is actually so unfulfilling. And for the moment, it seems satisfied. Ah, oh, there's a lot of satisfaction that first day you bring that car home off the lot. That feels good. New car smell. That first week, boy, it rides like a dream. Six months go by. Eh? You still really appreciate it, but you're not out there washing and waxing it every day like you were earlier, and you're not parking in Tin Buck Two like you were before, away from all the other cars. I mean, a year goes by and you know things kinda are wearing down a little bit, the seats getting a little squeaky, and then you get to be like my truck, it's only four years old and I gotta replace the battery cable in it, and that truck four years ago was just a dream. Oh man, I never need anything else than like that. That's a beauty what happens? Oh, it'd be nice to get one of those neat new Titan trucks that come out. Right? That's all we do to ourselves. Stop it. Stop it. Enjoy what you have. You think the Titan truck's never going to break? Dummy. And you and I have to really honestly evaluate possessions. Look at them for what they really are. Because there is no inherent value within them. They give us a quick wisp of happiness. Just a a slight little vapor. That computer and that TV and the house and the car. Whatever it is that you enjoy. For that quick moment, you walk out the door and you feel good. And in seven days, you know as well as I do, you lost the happiness. And you have to go find something else. The better life is not in wealth. And not in possessions. We prove this over and over and over again. Riches do not satisfy. How many purchases will it take for us before we come to this conclusion? How many big ticket items is it going to take before we sit down and realize that will not satisfy me? I don't know. You'll have to answer the question in your own mind. At what point will we see the truth? Let me state it this way. The love of wealth actually leads us to unhappiness because we're never satisfied. Because you never attain what you think you're getting out of the material possessions. You and I never get the satisfaction that we expect out of it. We expect those things to last and last and last. And what was so precious and dear to us earlier becomes useless, run down, and worthless. And we keep thinking that that's going to be where joy is, and it's not. How do we overcome the snare of wealth? One of the first really, really important things is you and I should not envy the rich. TV shows are really picking up on that and really trying to to get us to see people on TV. And it's been going on for a while. You know, you younger kids may not remember old Robin Leach's. Lives of the rich and famous, you know, and you just watch them. They look at their beautiful houses, and that was supposed to cause us to drool, and these are the things that you could have. Don't envy the rich. They don't have a life better than you. We like to think they have this glamorous, wonderful life, and things are so easy for them. But that's a lie. It's a total lie. Don't envy them. They have more problems than we do. <laughs> They have far more problems. And that's all that wealth brings. The second, don't overwork. Can this be my third favorite proverb? I'm getting a lot of them today. This is the whole proverb, the first first part of it. I gave you the, the wings. But look at the beginning of it. Do not wear yourself out to get rich. Have the wisdom to show restraint. Cast but a glance at riches and they are gone. For they will surely sprout wings and fly off to the sky like an eagle. Two very important commands there. You can see Solomon saying to his son, one, don't wear yourself out to be rich. Why not? Because you won't attain it. It's a dream that everybody thinks they can get to, but it doesn't happen. Don't wear yourself out to be rich. Why not? Because you'll sacrifice everything that's important in the process. You will sacrifice everything that does have value for things that do not have value. You will be required to sacrifice your family. You will be required to sacrifice God. You'll be required to sacrifice important relationships to be able to attain wealth that has no value. Have the wisdom to show restraint. That's very important. Have enough wisdom to knock it off. And that's hard to do. I, I, I just, I'm just a lonely preacher guy, I have a hard time too with that. I've got to turn all of my work stuff and walk away. Spend time with the family. Do things that are important to maintain relationships. And you have to do the same thing. You've got to walk away from work sometimes and say, enough's enough. Put in my time. I put in my hours. Have some restraint. My spouse is more important. My children are more important. My parents are more important. These relationships are more important. My time with God is the most important. Show restraint. Third, most important too, you've got to be content. We've lost this in our society. There's no teaching anymore about the need to be happy with what you have. And friends, we need to teach that to our children. We need to encourage one another to be content. If you find honey, eat just enough. Too much of it. You will vomit it. <laughs> I like that. Very good proverb. You know the truth of that. First, first piece is really good. Second one, just about. But, pieces five, six, and seven. Ooh. <laughs> the same thing is true with wealth. Enjoy the fruits of your labor. Do not go overboard. Otherwise, it will make you sick. And it will ruin your life. Better a little with the fear of the Lord than great wealth with turmoil. Better a meal of vegetables where there is love than a fatted calf with hatred. Realize the truth of that proverb. Better to have a little and be content and have love and have the fear of the Lord. Two aspects he draws out to have a relationship with God and and have a relationship with your family, better to have that than you accumulate all of this wealth and have what? Hatred and turmoil. Don't sacrifice the most important things to accumulate wealth. How the same thing he says here. Better a bite of dry bread eaten in peace than a family feast filled with strife. Better to have a little. Boy, Solomon just says that so many times trying to convince his son. The little will bring you all the joy you need because wealth doesn't satisfy. Wealth does not bring true true joy. And so we need to be content. As Paul told Timothy, now godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world and it is certain we can carry nothing out of it. You know, there is one truth. Money is made to be spent. Can't take it with you. (laughs) Accumulating it isn't going to do you any good. What are you going to do with it when you die? Enjoy the fruit of your labor. Why overwork for something you cannot use? Fourth, as we noted a couple weeks ago, honor the Lord with your wealth. Remember, God is the one who has given you all that you have. He has given you the ability to work. He has given you the opportunity to be able to make these things and be able to acquire the possessions that we have. We need to appreciate God and we need to thank God constantly because he is the giver of all the good things that we enjoy. And sometimes we delude ourselves into thinking that we are the ones who have acquired these things by our own work. It's our own hand, our own know-how. We were so smart. And we forget is that it's God who's given us all of those abilities, all of those talents, and all the opportunities that we have seized to be able to be where we are right now. We thank God for the immense amount of riches that we enjoy in this country and must realize that you and I are extremely wealthy people. We have vast riches, and we need to be happy with the things that God has given us. Go ahead and pull your psalm books out. The reason why the study of wealth and its empty promises is so important, I can tell it to you anecdotally, and we see it also in the Scriptures, is that wealth pulls you away from God. The efforts to seek after wealth, the desire for more and more, Pulls your desire away from serving God more and more. And it's just an inevitable thing. There's an absolute reason why Jesus said. You cannot serve God and riches. You just cannot. Either you will hate the one and love the other. Or love the one and despise the other. You must make the choice as to what it's going to be. You and I cannot serve God. And make wealth. Our pursuit in this world. I hope by seeing these things and thinking about these things. You'll realize that the pursuit of wealth is empty. And what do you have in the end? You do not have happiness. You do not have true joy. You do not have good relationships. You just have stuff. So you can sit by yourself with your stuff. And that will be dissolved and break down. And one day you'll stand before God. Are you ready to stand before God? Instead, serve the Lord today before it is too late. Realize the things that are most important, that you and I have been placed here for a purpose, that God has placed us here to be servants of his will, to follow him with all of our heart and to serve one another. And we encourage you, if you have not turned your life to Jesus Christ and submitted to him with all of your heart, if you have not been immersed in water for the forgiveness of your sins, now is the time to do it. Make your declaration known. It's time to serve God. And have your sins washed away through baptism. Won't you do that now while we stand and while we sing?